Numbers chapter 18, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Aaron, Thou and thy sons and thy father's house with thee shall bear the iniquity of the sanctuary, and thou and thy sons with thee shall bear the iniquity of your priesthood. Iniquity means sin. If anything sinful happens in the tabernacle, then it's on the the priesthood, then they have to make atonement for it. We'll see later on in the Bible that when the priests sin, they get killed if they don't repent. 2. And thy brethren also, the tribe of Levi, the tribe of thy father, bring thou near with thee, that they may be joined unto thee, and minister unto thee, thou and thy sons with thee, being before the tent of the testimony. 3. And they shall keep thy charge and the charge of all the tent, only they shall not come nigh unto the holy furniture and unto the altar, that they die not, neither they nor ye. The Levites in general are there to help the sons of Aaron, which is the priesthood. But the one thing they can never do is they can't touch any of the golden furniture that's used inside the tabernacle, which is the candlestick, the Ark of the Covenant, the perfume table, and the showbread table. They're not to ever touch those things. Now the Kohathites, which are Levites, who live on the south side of the tabernacle, they carry those things, but not until Aaron's sons, the priests, have wrapped them up in all the cloths so that they can't even see what they're carrying, let alone touch it. The only thing they're allowed to touch is the poles that they carry it on. 4. And they shall be joined unto thee, and keep the charge of the tent of meeting, whatsoever the service of the tent may be. But a common man shall not draw nigh unto you. Anybody who's not a Levite cannot serve in any way, shape, or form. The Levites themselves are serving the priests, who are also Levites, but the priests are from Aaron's lineage. The other Levites are serving them, but they can't actually touch the furniture or minister with the furniture that's golden. Now the brass altar that's in the courtyard, they can minister around that. Korah and his family died in their rebellion. They were the ones that were swallowed up in a crack in the earth, and they went to hell alive. Korah was the grandson of Kohath, and Kohath is the leader of the Kohathites who live on the south side, who are in charge of carrying the precious golden furniture once it's wrapped up. Korah, being the grandson of Kohath, probably thought that he was very important because his group got to carry the holy things. So he saw himself as being important, and he wanted to take Moses and Aaron's place. And that's kind of like Satan. Satan thought that he was really important because he was a beautiful angel that was stationed at God's throne, attending the Lord. He thought that he should usurp God and become God, the same sin that Korah had. He thought that because he was in a special position, that he was good enough to be the high priest. That's a big mistake. Where God places us is where he places us, and we shouldn't judge ourselves and compare ourselves to other people who might be in a higher place or a lower place. God has everybody where he wants them. And really, who God is the most pleased with is who obeys him the best, no matter what position you're in. If you serve him well according to what he's given you, and you obey him, then he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant, and you will have your reward. He himself is not partial. The Bible says that he is no respecter of persons, which means that God himself doesn't think that one of us is better than the other. 
but Jesus said, you are my friend if you obey me. So really the only factor is, are we obeying him? That's what determines if we have a friendship with God. Now he loves everybody, but he doesn't trust everybody, and he's not friends with everybody. The love of God is automatic, but whether or not he considers you his friend, that depends on what you do, and it doesn't depend at all on your position. Korah was not a friend of God because he didn't understand how God judges us. He judges us by our heart, not by what he's asked us to do. 5. And ye shall keep the charge of the holy things, and the charge of the altar, that there be no wrath no more upon the children of Israel. What he has made holy is holy. And when he makes somebody holy and sanctified to do a certain task, he wants that person to do it because he's made them fit for the task. See, it isn't we who make ourselves fit for the service of God. It's God who makes us fit for service. And that's why we don't take credit for it. 6. And I, behold, I have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. For you they are given as a gift unto the Lord to do the service of the tent of meeting. All the Levites in general are to serve the priesthood, which is Aaron and his sons. 7. And thou and thy sons with thee shall keep your priesthood in everything that pertaineth to the altar, and to that within the veil, and ye shall serve. I give you the priesthood as a service of gift, and the common man that draweth nigh shall be put to death. Common means that that person is not sanctified for that work. 8. And the Lord spoke unto Aaron, and I, behold, I have given thee the charge of my heave offerings, even of all the hallowed things of the children of Israel. Unto thee I have given them for a consecrated portion, and to thy sons as a due forever. The heave offering is the part of the sacrificed animal that gets eaten by the Levites. That's part of their payment for performing the sacrifice, is that they get to eat part of the animal, unless it's a burnt offering. And the reason it's called a heave offering is because it gets heaved up using the pitchfork-like instrument. It gets heaved up onto the altar when it gets cooked, and then after it's cooked, they eat it. 9. This shall be thine of the most holy things, reserved from the fire, every offering of theirs, even every meal offering of theirs, and every sin offering of theirs, and every guilt offering of theirs, which they may render unto me, shall be most holy for thee and for thy sons. Most of the animal gets burnt in the fire for the Lord. The innards, a lot of times the skin, and the bones and the legs and things like that get burnt for the Lord. But God gives the Levites the best part to eat, which is usually the breast and the thigh, with all offerings except the burnt offering. 10. In a most holy place shalt thou eat thereof. Every male may eat thereof. It shall be holy unto thee. If you're the Levite that performs that particular sacrifice, then you and your family will get to eat it in front of the tabernacle in the presence of the Lord. And this is really beautiful because it means what God gives us, what God gives us, he wants us to enjoy in his presence. He doesn't want us to take his gift and run, remain in his presence and enjoy it with him. 11. And this is thine, the heave offering of their gift, even all the wave offerings of the children of Israel. I have given them unto thee, and to thy sons, and to thy daughters with thee, as a due forever. Every one that is clean in thy house may eat thereof. If you're unclean, you can be clean by the next day. If the food is still left over on the next day, you can eat it. But on the third day, they're not allowed to eat it, because then it's going to go rotten. But the people that are unclean can eat it the next day, which would be that evening after they've bathed.
Both the heave offering and the wave offering are offerings that the Levites eat. Now a wave offering can also be grain or grapes, anything that grows. That gets waved before the Lord, but it will be eaten by the Levites as their payment for conducting the service. 12. All of the best of the oil, and all the best of the wine, and of the corn, the first part of them, which they give unto the Lord, to thee I have given them. God always requires our best and our first if in tithes. He's taking that best and giving it to the Levites. It's only right because God gives us his best. He gave us his very own son to die for our sins. So it's only right that we give him our best. 13. The first ripe fruits of all that is in their land, which they bring unto the Lord, shall be thine. Every one that is clean in thy house may eat of it. They offer the first ripe fruits, the first grains of wheat, the first flour that they make, the first lambs that are born, everything that's the first and the best. 14. Everything devoted in Israel shall be thine. There's two different kinds of devoted. Everything devoted is killed. But then when they take over a city, if the Lord tells them that it's devoted, that means that they have to kill every single person in that city. They have to kill everybody, including the children. From our perspective, it might seem brutal, but that's because we don't know how to judge the heart. The cities that God commanded the Israelites to devote, those were cities where the sin was just incredibly high. They were already sacrificing their children. They were making their children prostitutes. They had prostitutes in their temples. They were sacrificing to all kinds of gods, committing fornication, raping animals. In those cities, those people were so corrupted and so willful in their sin, they would never repent. And God knew that, so that's why he had the whole city devoted. Only God knows what's in people's hearts. 15. Everything that openeth the womb of all flesh which they offer unto the Lord, both of man and beast, shall be thine. Howbeit the firstborn of man shalt thou surely redeem, and the firstling of unclean beast shalt thou redeem. Every single firstborn, whether it's animal or human, belongs to him, but he's totally against human sacrifice. So the human firstborns have to be redeemed, which means a financial price has to be paid on their lives, but the firstborn of the animals get sacrificed. However, God doesn't want unclean animals on the altar. That would defile the altar, and he doesn't receive unclean sacrifices. So if it's an unclean animal, like a pig, and it's a firstborn, then that also gets redeemed, which means a price is paid for it. And then you can use it in whatever way you want. You've paid God for the use of it. 16. And their redemptive money from a month old shalt thou redeem them, shall be according to thy valuation. Five shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary. The same is twenty geras. It's actually twenty geras, which is five shekels for a life. The reason he says don't do it until they're a month old, you don't owe God any money until they're a month old. That's probably to make sure that they're going to live because life is so fragile. 17. But the first lean of an ox, or the first lean of a sheep, or the first lean of a goat, thou shalt not redeem, meaning that those things have to be sacrificed, because those are clean animals. They are holy. Thou shalt dash their blood against the altar, and shalt make their fat smoke for an offering made by fire, for a sweet savor unto the Lord. The fat smells good when it burns, and it smells good to God, because it means that he is forgiving somebody. 18. And the flesh of them shall be thine, as the wave breast, and as the right thigh, it shall be thine. They get the breast and the right thigh. 
I'm not really sure. The Bible doesn't make it perfectly clear, but I think it might have something to do with Jesus having his name written on his thigh in Revelation when he returns. 19. All the heave offerings of the holy things, which the children of Israel offer unto the Lord, have I given thee, and thy sons and thy daughters with thee, as a due forever. It is an everlasting covenant of salt before the Lord unto thee, and to thy seed with thee. All the heave offerings have to have salt put on them. Now this would make them taste better when the Levites eat the heave offerings after it's cooked. But the salt also represents that we are supposed to remain salty, which the New Testament talks about. We have to keep our saltiness, which means we have to keep in the faith. There's a lot of Christians who go through the motions of religion, but their faith is in their doctor, their savings account, and their retirement plan, whether or not they have good health, their career. That's what their faith is really in. They've lost their salt. 20. And the Lord said unto Aaron, Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land, neither shalt thou have any portion among them. I am thy portion and thy inheritance among the children of Israel. The Levites are not allowed to own their own property. When all of the Israelites enter Canaan, every tribe will get its own region of Canaan, and that will be its homeland inheritance. But the Levites will not get any land because they get fed by the tithes and the service of the Lord. They will be given cities within each of those other 11 territories to live in because God says you don't need to have property and the provision that I give you through the offerings. You only need one or the other. The other tribes need land so they can grow their ranches because they're going to live off of that work. 21. And unto the children of Levi, behold, I have given all the tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service which they serve, even the service of the tent of meeting. They're also going to live off of the money that goes into the tabernacle. 22. And henceforth the children of Israel shall not come nigh the tent of meeting, lest they bear sin and die. 23. But the Levites alone shall do the service of the tent of meeting, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, and among the children of Israel they shall have no inheritance. There's no worldly inheritance, but everything they get is straight from the Lord. So when you're serving the Lord, you shouldn't expect to have a worldly inheritance. 25. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, 26. Moreover, thou shalt speak unto the Levites, and say unto them, When ye take of the children of Israel the tithe which I have given you from them for your inheritance, then ye shall set a part of it a gift for the Lord, even a tithe of the tithe. They have to take a tithe out of the tithe that they have been given from the other eleven tribes. 27. And the gift which ye set apart shall be reckoned unto you, as though it were the corn of the threshing floor, and as the fullness of the wine press. And notice how he says it has to be as though it was in abundance. The corn of the threshing floor and the fullness of the wine press, that means abundance. That means when you first bring the corn in, when you first bring the wine in, the wine is flowing out of the wine press and the corn is just flowing from the threshing floor. He's saying what you give the tenth of the tithe, that will be a tithe of abundance. 28. Thus ye shall set apart a gift unto the Lord of all your tithes, which ye receive of the children of Israel. And therefore ye shall give the gift which is set apart unto the Lord to Aaron the priest. All the Levites take a tenth of all the tithe that they have received, and then they give that to the priesthood, Aaron and his sons. Aaron represents Jesus Christ. 
because Jesus is our eternal priest. So anybody who is receiving a tithe from the Lord should also tithe to Jesus. And how do we do that? He'll tell us where to put that money. 29. Out of all that is given you, ye shall set apart all of that which is due unto the Lord, of all the best thereof, even the hallowed part thereof, out of it. 30. Therefore thou shalt say unto them, When ye set apart the best thereof from it, then it shall be counted unto the Levites as the increase of the threshing floor, and as the increase of the wine press. 31. And ye may eat it in every place, ye and your households, for it is your reward in return for your service in the tent of meeting. You know what name in the Bible means increase? Joseph. And when Joseph went to serve Pharaoh, his life increased. He became very important. And he saved the lives of millions of people, not only his own Israelites, but also he saved the Egyptians. And then another Joseph in the Bible is the husband of Mary, who everybody believed was Jesus' father. And his life had increased when Jesus came into his life. When baby Jesus was born, his life had much increase. He and Mary had their own kids. They had a big family, aside from Jesus being born. But the real increase was the spiritual increase, because they raised Jesus. They had Jesus in their home all those years. And that must have been an amazing spiritual increase for Joseph. This is representing spiritual abundance, greater knowledge, greater wisdom, greater love, greater grace in your life, greater faith, greater understanding, greater gifts. 32. And ye shall bear no sin by reason of it, seeing that ye have set apart from it the best thereof, and ye shall not profane the holy things of the children of Israel, that ye die not. And that concludes Numbers chapter 18.